0: Okay, we're going to um, we're going to continue on the law of putting God first, and I want to talk just for um, a few minutes. Um, we've been talking about the tithe and first fruits. The um, the tithe is the actual money. That's the way you want to say it. That's the actual, you know, money. But tithing is something we do with words. Tithing is what we speak over our tithe. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes. Um, Because the Lord's you know, in Deuteronomy 26, the Lord says there are some things that we are to say before God when we bring our tithe to Him. And so when I learned to do this, uh, you know, I learned it from Brother Copeland, uh, I began to do this over my tithe. It doesn't have to be a religious thing, you know, something you do religiously. Or, but, you know, the, the point is we need to pray over our tithe and we need to mix faith with it when we give it. And not just plunk it in the bag. You know, that, that's, that's the point. Uh, we bring the best. We bring the first. And we bring it with the right attitude, which I'm sure all of you do. But i, I just like to talk about that for a few minutes. Because it's not something, again, that we really hear about. We do it with faith. And we lift it up before the Lord. So, you know, we bring our, our tithe unto the Lord. We said, Lord, I acknowledge you by bringing this back to you. I'm acknowledging that this came from you. I'm acknowledging that you're my source. I wouldn't have it unless you had blessed me. I wouldn't have a job unless you had blessed me. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. You know, uh, along these lines, I give it back to you because I want to support your work. Uh, I, I want your work to have what it needs. I want your, your people in ministry to have what they need. I want you know your, all of your people to have what they need. I want your work to have first class and to be the best and to be of a high standard. And Lord, I give it gladly because I know that there's more where this came from, amen? And I, I can let go of this, and it is no problem. Now, in uh, let's turn over to Deuteronomy 26, and and we get kind of a basic outline there uh, that will help you to, you know, kind of form a prayer over your tithe. Uh, I suggest that you... Take, you know maybe the evening before, maybe the day before or even a week before or whatever but at some time before you go to church or a meeting where you're going to give your tithe and offerings. I suggest that you take uh, you know make a, a few minutes special time where you sit down and you pray and worship the Lord with your tithe even if it's five minutes you know? And you don't have to be religious about it or legalistic, but, you know, it, it's something important, and we just shouldn't be flippant about it. Uh, you know, I, I can still remember this guy at one of Brother Gordon and Barbara's meetings in Surbiton. And uh, I remember one evening when the, the offering was passed. I'd never seen this guy before. I'd never seen him again. A pretty young guy, and he came with somebody else. But he was sitting there, you know, he was sitting there like his leg crossed like this and he had his you know, he had his check and when the when the thing when the plate went by, you know, he, he like sailed it over into the I remember that he, he sailed it over into his plate the plate like that, you know. And I still remember, you know, just this attitude this casual attitude he had about Giving and and uh, it what just you, really marked my thinking, you God. know. <laughs> he could have
1: given you a I
0: mean, it was it was like paying a bill, wasn't it? Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I mean? No, but if it's like that, oh, that's peanuts. So I can give that a one Well, may, maybe yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe so. It it was just casual pocket money to him Ooh. or something, you know. And at that time, I wasn't dealing with casual pocket money. I mean, every pound boy was. Uh, was important, you know, and I guess that's probably why God pointed that out to me, maybe. But yeah, but we need to, uh, you know, we, we have a, a guideline here, uh, and we can, we can adapt this to fit us as believers in the New Testament. Uh, it says, When you come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possessest it and dwellest therein that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring, uh, of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, and shall go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am coming to the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers to give us. Now, here in, in the under the old covenant, he, he said, you, you take it, put it in the basket, take it before the, the priest in those days. Well, Hebrews 3 verse 1 says, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. So in our day, Jesus... Is, is the high priest and he receives our tithe. So this is how we, we, uh, you know, we adapt our prayer to fit us as New Testament believers as opposed to what the Old Testament people would have done. In verse 8 it says uh, that they, they begin to remember their past. Where they used to be, they were in Egypt. They were under bondage, and God brought them out. And and we can, uh, you know, for us, Egypt is a type of the world. You know, we can say, Lord, I remember when I was lost. I was undone. I remember when I was broke. I remember when I didn't have enough money to get a bus ticket. I can remember having to walk to South London because I didn't have a bus ticket. I remember... Not only was I broke, I didn't know the word of God. My mind was tormented, you know, constantly. And, and, and you, just, you just begin to recall, you know, uh, Colossians 1.13 says that he has brought us out of the dominion of, he has delivered us out of the dominion of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So as the Israelites we're delivered out of Egypt. We've been delivered out of the world. We've been delivered out of sin. We've, we've been delivered out of lack. We've been delivered out of sickness and disease and all all of the world system. Um, and that's what we remember when we bring our tithe before the Lord. Just like the Israelites remembered how God brought them out of natural Egypt, we, we remember how God brought us out of the, the world and into the kingdom of God. So these are the the type things we want to, uh, you know, say before the Lord when we bring our tithe. Uh, In the New Testament, you know, God is not pleased just, like I said, with that guy just plunking that check in the bag, you know. Uh, We need to do something in the spirit and we need to do it in faith. It doesn't matter how big the check is. That's not... Uh, that's not really what God's looking at. Like I said, He's looking at our heart. Attitude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so we need to do something in faith, and we need to do it in the spirit. That's why I like to hold that check in my hand and pray over it, because I'm doing something spiritual. And I'm, uh, I'm applying faith to this, and I'm believing. Amen? Uh, so we don't just go through the motion and pitch it in the bag, uh, you know, and just, uh, we, 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 we're we just not going to do that. We're going to spend some time over this. Uh, so like I said, take a few minutes before you go to church, maybe the day before, or the afternoon before, or just, you know, s- doesn't have to be a fixed time. Don't get legalistic about it. Don't get religious about it. You know, just... Before you go to church or a meeting, just pray over it before you get there. Um, And this is a strong way of putting God first. When you hear that a ministry has a need uh, in the area of putting the gospel out, you put these ahead of your own. uh, which, Which we've already talked about. Uh, you know, this chapter, uh, Deuteronomy 26 goes on to say, uh, you know, you sh- in verse 11, you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God has given unto thee. That's what you just said earlier, and You know, you get excited about what God's done for you and the goodness of God. That's exactly what you're doing when you tithe. When, when you bring your tithe to God, that's exactly the, the, the thing you're supposed to do and yeah. say and remember. So you're on the right track, you, you just probably maybe never saw it in the Bible before, but this was an outline that God gave Israel for bringing their tithe and first fruits to him. So we just adapt it to fit us as New Testament believers. So we would re- just rejoice, say thank, you know, uh, you know, just be free about it. You know, I, I, you know, I just say, thank you, Lord. You know, if it was not for you, I wouldn't have a job. I mean, I am so thankful I have, you know, a job. I can't be- I, I, I'm can't. I, shocked that Christians are not thankful that they have a job. If it wasn't for God, they wouldn't have a job. You know, there would be no increase. Uh, you know, and I, I'm so thankful I can bring this before you. I remember how broke I was. I remember living in that dump. I remember eating that can of cold Irish stew because I didn't have electricity, you know? <laughs> and I remember how you brought me out. I'm not there anymore. I, I've got plenty now, and I can help somebody else. I will never be back there again. You know, you have redeemed me from black and you got the Word of God to me, and it set me free, you know? You got the Word. The, the Word is what ch- turned the things around. It's what turned the finances around it, not only that, just everything, everything, and, and I, you know, thank you, Lord, for giving, me the word, you know, that's, that was the source of my turnaround, was finding out about these principles, and the money was just a, a, you know, a byproduct of that, so these are the things we want to say before the Lord when we bring our tithe into him, okay, so I just wanted to share that with you, uh, You know, verse 13 says, I have brought away the hallowed things out of my house. I've given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all you have commanded. It goes on down to verse 14. I have not eaten thereof in my mourning, neither have I given aught thereof for any unclean use, nor given aught thereof for the dead. Now, we are supposed to say before God, that we have not given our tithe to the dead. Unfortunately, there are some Christians, the, the few who do tithe, take their tithe to a dead church. And that is not where it really ought to be going. God said, bring it into the storehouse where wherever you are fed. That's where all or certainly part of your tithe should go. And if you happen to be going to a church that doesn't preach the word, it doesn't preach and teach these things, it doesn't encourage you to increase, you're not getting fed the, the, the truth of God's word, then, you know, I would say your tithe shouldn't be going there. God said take it to the storehouse and wherever that is for you. Uh, it in in some cases it should be the the local church. But that's not always the case because every local church doesn't qualify as a storehouse. You know, it should. But but God said don't give it to the dead. So that's you know that's that's important um, so I, I wanted to share about tithing which is what we speak over our tithe what we pray over our tithe uh, then there at the end it says you know uh, I've about the Lord this day to be my God to walk in his ways to keep his to keep his word uh, you know He he will make me high above all nations and so forth these are Good things that God's saying over us, so we just we acknowledge these things and we do it in faith and we just pray over it before we bring it to the Lord. So I just wanted to spend a few minutes on that because that's important and it's something you don't you definitely don't hear much teaching on. Um, let's go to Genesis. We're still talking about the law of putting God first. Genesis 4. Actually, what we're going to look at here is Cain and Abel. But actually, the tithe began in the Garden of Eden. And that is as far back in the Bible as you can go. (laughs) You want to talk about the book of Genesis means the book of beginnings. So people that that try to say the tithe is part, you know, started with the law. That's not true. It started in the Garden of Eden actually. But what we're going to take it up here in Genesis four, with Cain and Abel. Um, Okay, it says uh, verse two, and Eve again bear his. Brother Abel, she had Cain, and then she had Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So make make note of that. Cain brought an offering unto the Lord. Abel, he also brought of the firstlings, of his flock, and of the fat thereof. So Abel brought a tithe plus an offering. Cain just brought an offering, not the first. Okay, you see that? Verse 3 Cain brought the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord, but it was not the first. It was not the first fruit, it was not a tithe. Abel brought the firstlings, or the tithe, or the first fruits of his flock, and the fat thereof. He brought a tithe plus an offering. In other words, over and beyond, he gave over and beyond his tithe. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, concerning Cain, nothing is mentioned about the quality of the offering he brought. It just says he brought it. Now, it says, uh, I have heard it preached, you know, long time ago. I've heard it preached that the, of her preachers say the reason God accepted Abel's offering is because he brought a lamb and the reason he rejected Cain's offering is because he did not bring a lamb. That is not true. That's not the case. We we already looked at all those scriptures in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. We looked at all those scriptures where God didn't say just bring the first of your animals. He said your crops, your fruit, your vines, your grains—you know, all the increase of your land. So it wasn't just animals, and it wasn't just sheep. God said bring the the first fruits of all uh, your—you know, all the increase of your land. So it so there was nothing wrong with bringing fruit. It says he brought the fruit of the ground. Uh. But it doesn't mention the quality of it. It just says he brought it. It doesn't mention what his attitude was. But you can read between the lines and get an idea. It does say he got mad at God because God did not accept it. Uh, There are some offerings that God does not accept. And that's kind of another a side point which i don't want to get into real detail with but uh your church or ministry is going to accept your money let's put it like that they're going to accept your money they're going to accept your offering they're going to take your money but god does not necessarily accept every offering even though your church will accept it or your, or your, the ministry you give to will accept it. First of all, you cannot give an offering until you have first brought the tithe because uh, the tithe is the first tenth and everything over and beyond that then is considered an offering. So uh, people who don't tithe what they do give is not even an offering it's it's just leftovers it's just leftovers and that's what Cain brought to God was the leftovers and that's why God did not accept it um Cain kept the first and the best fruit for himself and he brought the imperfect fruit that wasn't fit to eat to God, and he called it an offering. And God said, I'm not accepting this. Now, I can remember my father, uh, you know, he grew up on the farm, and they had, grew their own food, and they, they ate like kings. I mean, my grandmother was a fantastic cook. He said they had plenty of food. They didn't have anything else, but they had plenty of food. Uh, he said they ate like kings. and. Arkansas is known for watermelons, you know, for one thing, and they grow the largest watermelons in the world. So they're not really, the largest ones are probably not fit to eat, but they just have these competitions to see who can grow the largest watermelon. But every summer we would always have watermelon because my father really liked them and he knew how to choose them, you know, he, he grew up and he knew what to look for and all this. And when he would cut, we'd go outside, he'd cut a watermelon, and it, as soon as it broke open, he'd say, "This is a really good one, you know." Or he would look at it and say, "This is not fit to eat. We're going to eat it, but really, when I was growing up, we would have fed this to the hogs. you know So that, that's, the, that's like the leftovers. Well, I think that's the kind of fruit that came brought to God. He, he opened that watermelon and said, this is really not fit to eat. It really ought to go to the hogs, but I'm gonna take it to God.
1: <laughs> you know? And
0: I think that's, that's what happened. And God said, I'm not accepting this. So you're getting an idea of just how serious this is to God. Think about this. The very first murder that ever took place on this earth was over the tithe and the first fruits right here in Genesis. Now, that's how serious this thing is a failure to put God first in the area of material possessions. We're not going to turn there, but if you read, you know, we, we're familiar with the scripture Malachi 3 about you know, uh, bring all the ties into the storehouse and so forth. But if you go back and read chapter 1 and 2, uh, you will see that God was ticked off with them because they were bringing their one-eyed, sick hmm. lambs and sheeps and goats or whatever their offering was. They were bringing the defected animals uh, to God and calling it an offering. and And even at that, they were complaining about it. You know, they said, uh, we're, we're, we're wearied with this. You know, in other words, we're fed up with having to do this, you know. So you can see they had a putrid attitude, you know, about it. And, and God said, should I accept this? And he goes on and he gets pretty, he said, I'm I will corrupt your seed and I will spread dung on your faces. I mean, God was, you know, like I said, this is something God really take serious. So you get the idea that God is, it was ticked off because they were offloading their defected, leftover animals onto God and calling it an offering. Uh, Hebrews eleven four says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Abel's sacrifice was the first and the best. Cain's was not. That's why God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's. Uh, When you give in faith, you know you're giving your best. When you you give your best, you know you're giving in faith. Amen? You can't give in faith unless you do your best. And your your heart knows when you're doing your best. Your heart knows when you're putting God first. Uh, Again, this is why some pastors don't want to preach on tithing and finances from a non-compromising standpoint. They may try to beat around the bush once in a while. Uh, But when people are not putting God first, their heart knows it and there's no faith there. And the pastor doesn't want to upset people and he doesn't want to have them leave. I spoke to someone last. I was at a church in London last Sunday, and I spoke to some somebody there who was uh, from that from London, but they moved to Denmark. They're living in Denmark, and they were telling me about the state of churches in Denmark, which I guess they're pretty much the same all over Europe, England and Europe really. But she was saying, where was she? wherever they finally decided to go to church, the pastor preached a sermon on tithing. And she said, by the time he was finished, half the room was gone. Half the congregation had got up and left. And I said, well, I can kind of identify with that. I mean, I haven't exactly had people get up in the middle of a service and walk out yet, but I've had people not come back, you know, because I said things that they didn't like, you know, which is just the Bible. Yeah, but that tells you the state of things there um, so uh, what happens in some churches you will notice the pastor doesn't get up and take the offering he'll have somebody else do it because he doesn't want the flack mm-hmm. He wants to divert it away from himself and not be identified with it so he calls somebody else up to take the offering. Uh, They'll beg people to give sacrificially like you've already talked about, you've all heard, but the people never increase. It's because they're not being taught the word of God. They're not being taught these principles, they're not being taught to put God first to give God their first and their best. God's work needs money, but God is more interested in your heart. God wants to know that you are truly doing your best and putting Him first. And your money is a measurement of your commitment to putting God first. This is why money is a touchy subject among many Christians who give lip service to it, but it becomes evident When it comes to getting in their pocket, Uh, you know we we all know we've we've heard uh, people and ministers that use these scriptures and principles to manipulate people. uh, You know to line their pockets for personal gain. You know they beg for money and. You know, send me a thousand pounds and I will send you a genuine rock from the Sea of Galilee. You know, or something like that, you know. Uh, but that's not where I do my giving. I don't give do my giving to places like that. Uh, you know, some people are quite gifted in that area. They can prophesy money right out of your pocket into theirs. But... What people don't realize, they, you know, they try to single out these so-called, you know, crooked preachers or whatever. But the same thing happens in all other areas of life. you got you got scams and insurance. you got used car salesmen that are con people, you know. <laughs> this is not uh, specific to church or Christianity. Uh, you know, you, you, you get con people and in, in insurance and things like that but we don't do away with the insurance industry or the used cars just because you know once in a while there's a salesman out there that's yeah. a bit you right. know on the con side so uh, you know that that's why the criticizers are out there trying to paint all of us with the same brush yeah and i'm not you know but i'm i'm not going to back <laughs> off of it I'm not going to back off the truth of God's Word, even if they accuse me of doing that. You guys know I don't do that. I have never even written a letter asking anybody uh. for money, and I, I won't. I do receive offerings, but this begging for money, I just can't abide it, you know? They need to get on the Word, and then you teach people the Word, and they wouldn't have to beg. People would be, you know,
1: yeah.
0: more than glad to, to bring it. Um, but they just don't know. Um, So there's real and there's false, but it doesn't do away with the real principles of God's word. God has given us his word and the Holy Spirit, and if we listen to him, we will discern between what is right and wrong, who's in it for real and who is legitimate, and who is in it for the money. If you put your money somewhere and find out later you've been conned, be more upset with yourself than with the other people. Many people are not led by the Holy Spirit. They are led by who cries and begs the loudest, you know, shows pictures of starving kids somewhere, you know, and things like that. Uh, organizations know how this works. They, they know k- kinda how to pull on people. Uh, and I don't know if they use that phrase here or not, but in America there's a phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know what that means? Yeah. Whoever cries and begs yeah. the loudest or whoever looks like they need it the worst, that's where people tend to give, mm-hmm. and they're not led by the Holy Spirit. We, we just haven't been trained to be led by the Holy Spirit in our giving. On the other hand, sometimes people, these people start out good, And they have good intentions and somewhere along the line they they just get off the word and they go wrong. Uh, God may lead you to give to the one who doesn't look like they even need it at all. So that's why you need to pray about things and not just give automatically or wherever and whoever looks like they need it the most. Some ministries and churches actually create needs because they know people will not give otherwise and i have heard of that happening they, they constantly keep a project they constantly keep oh, no. they create circumstances that that because they know people will not give otherwise and that that's a shame that people have been mm-hmm. so trained to only give when people cry and beg for it but that's why we're here teaching the word amen we're we're instructing We're we're given instruction according to the Word of God. So where you give, check things out on a regular basis. There may may be places that were doing a great work a few years ago, but they may have changed their vision. Uh, You know, in the natural world, when you go to invest in a company or stocks or something, uh, people research it and they check out the company, you know, before they invest any money in it. So people can make bad investments spiritually, just like they make bad investments naturally. In Second John uh, 10 and 11, it says, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So... You know, if if people are consistently uh, preaching error and you're consistently listening to error, then he says, knowingly or unknowingly, you're partaking of their evil. And don't put a penny in that kind of a thing. Because God said, uh, uh, you know, he said, don't even say God bless you because you don't want God to bless you somebody who's preaching error you know walk in love with them pray for them pray that they will come out of it the eyes of their understanding will be open to the gospel and the glorious inheritance in the saints but don't help them propagate error by honoring god you acknowledge him as your source and he will bless you and increase you amen he's first above everything Uh, Let's look uh, at one more place on this subject, Uh, Haggai, right over toward the end of the New Testament. You find Malachi and come back a couple of books to come to Haggai. I know we spent a long time just talking about one law, but it's a lot to lot to know, isn't it? That that just gives you some a little inkling of how much the Word of God has to say about these things. You know, we're we're just talking about one one law, one law of increase, and we've been here almost three hours. You know, so there's a huge amount of
1: huge amount the Bible has to say about all the years that we've been going to our church, we have never heard them once teach on timing, And they just chuck the bag around and just as you have said, it's it's not right. Mm,
0: mm, I totally agree. And God's not pleased with it. I mean, you know, I'm not condemning one particular place. This is happening all over the especially Europe yeah. you know I mean but
1: all over the world what I'm talking about is 1966 and it was the same part well it was before it was all the pastors well ministers as they were called then <clears throat> but this was the one that became minister then changed to pastor um and he sat in his vestry and for a day and it really looked as if it was begging for money, mm, because mm. It, was the, it was the church's giving day. Mm,
0: mm.
1: And I thought myself, this is wrong. Mm, mm. I thought, you're forcing me to do something that I don't want to do. Mm, and mm. It, what it was doing... You can't give cheerfully like that. You can't give cheerfully. Well, but I was growing up as a child in the Sunday school with these mm. words, because I used to go there Sunday evening, Sunday morning, um, with my grandparents or my parents and I thought it got to the point where no I can't be forced to give mm-hmm. and it was the forcing you of giving be. Yeah, yeah. that was stopping me from doing it naturally mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's no
1: wonder people have been no. put off from going
0: to church Good. you know it, it's, it's no wonder let's look at uh, Haggai uh, before we take another break uh, this whole book, which is not very long, it's just two or three pages, but this whole theme is really what Jesus said in Matthew six thirty-three: put God first. Uh, in verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So, the, the people were saying, it's not the time to do the Lord's work. It's not the time to do the Lord's things. Um, and then, first, the, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, and this is, this is God talking now. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house like waste? In other words, is it time for you to be taking care of your houses and the house of God is, is uh, suffering? You know it's it's lying mm-hmm. in waste. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways; ye you have sown much and bring in little; ye eat but ye have not enough; ye drink but ye are not filled with drink; ye clothe you but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. He's talking about people here, they get a step ahead, they make some progress, and then they get knocked back two steps. They get some money saved up, and they don't know, it's it's like putting money in pockets with holes in it. They don't even know where it's going. And then in verse 7, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Again, he says, Consider your ways. Uh, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build build my house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow up on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because my house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed or closed. In other words, this is why heaven is... You're living under a closed heaven. is because you've been putting your affairs above my affairs. You haven't been putting me first. And he says, this is why the heaven is closed over you and the earth (coughs) is stayed from her fruit. So, you know, we we hear people say... uh, well, when I get out of my, when I get out of the situation and I get things turned around and when things improve, uh, you know I'm going to give big to God. As soon as I get my house taken care of, as soon as I get in good shape, I'll do something for the work of the Lord. Well, this is violating the first principle of the law of increase by putting your things first. That's what these these people were doing, and and today we hear people say, well, when I get my car paid off, then I'll give to God. When I get my house paid off, you know, when I get my credit card paid off, when I get my needs met, then I'll give to God. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll have everything in order, and then I'll give to God. That's not the way it works. We have to start where we are. We have to put God first wherever we are. And when I was in that horrendous situation and no natural way out. I never failed to tithe. I mean, I don't care how bad it got, I never failed to tithe. Because I hate to think what it would have been like if I hadn't have. I mean, it was already bad enough, you know. The last thing I needed was to curse myself on top of being ignorant, you know. But but I'm telling you, by the time I tithe and I paid my rent, there just wasn't anything left, and I still had a whole month in front of me, you know. But I never failed to tithe ever. It, it never it never occurred to me not to. Um. So. So what these uh, that's what these people in Haggai were saying, you know. Uh, but we need to just start where we are and put God first ask yourself if you're about to buy something that's maybe major purchase and, and you're gonna have if you're going to have to make payments on it, can I, if I buy this and I have to make payments and pay interest on it, can I give the way I want to give to God? And if you can't, then wait to buy it. You may have a vision, a big vision but just begin to operate where you are now. Some people overstretch themselves and run up credit cards and then they say the devil's attacking their finances.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just dangled a carrot out in front of them. You know, that's that's what happens sometimes. But I didn't have that problem because I didn't even qualify for a credit card. <laughs> Praise God, I didn't have one because you know. Um, get. More interested in giving than in getting what you want. In other words, just don't, you know, some people are so focused. And I know when you're under financial pressure, I have been there. It's hard to get yourself, all, your eyes off of you and onto other people, you know, and, and onto other things. Because, I mean, the devil can crank up the pressure and, and it, it's not easy. I, I have been there. I know exactly what people are talking about. But look at how much is going out for you. And how much is going out for God? God does not expect you to put every penny in the offering and live in a dump. But you just need to make the commitment to put God first. Uh, And this is where some full gospel people have got it backwards. You know, they've been using their faith to get things. Um, Haggai 2.15 says, Uh, Well, 18. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day I will bless you. God said you had all these problems you've been in lack but from the day you started building my house and putting my house before your house I began to bless you from that day forward so this is a principle of of putting God first use your faith to get into position to give more and not just get get more and this is what really Excites me and inspires me when I hear Brother Copeland and, and other ministers like him. Um, you know, the, the criticizers focus on their things and their car and their house and all this. That's not what, I mean, that, that's good. It's fine. It's their inheritance. It's our inheritance. You know, I have a dream house, a dream car. I don't have it yet, but I've got a picture of one. I'm not there yet, but I, you know, everybody should have a. A dream you know and it's part of our inheritance but what really excites me when I hear them talk along these lines um, is is what they're able to give you know when I hear and they don't talk a lot public you know they don't brag a lot about what they give They I give loads just anonymously but in order to cur- encourage other people, they give. They talk some about what they give, you know. Um, and it's obvious they do because that's they're. That's why they're so blessed is because they're they're such givers. But what really excites me is when I hear them say we were able to give a hundred thousand dollars to build a new church in Russia. Now that's what excites me. That's what really inspires me. You know. Yeah. Are we paid to have a Bible school built in South America? That's that's what really, to me, that's the wow factor. But see, the criticizers, they don't look at what they give. They, they don't look at what they're doing for God. They don't look at the thousands of kids that, they, that these ministers feed around the world. They don't look at, you know, I mean, one of the top ones is really, well, there's a number that's really criticized, but people talk about Joyce Meyer like she's a dog, and and she's feeding thousands of orphans all yeah. over the world. That's there great, yeah. these prostitutes and women in these third world countries that are just, you know, uh, she's getting them out of prostitution and all this human trafficking and getting them into a safe place and getting them the gospel and building churches and all these wonderful things that are just Christians are just blind to. They're just blind. They don't want to know. They just say, "Oh, she's got a big car." Or, oh, look at her house. Or, "Oh, her kids got a big car." Who cares? It's just a car. They make cars every day. I mean, all they that, thats all they're focused on is just criticizing. They never mention how much she gives. They never mention what she's doing all over the world. I mean, that is just either blind, willful blindness, or deception or is just jealous. so evil, you know,
1: jealousy, jealousy. I'm
0: jealous. yeah, jealousy, well, a lot yeah. of it is jealousy, yeah. Conscience is <clears throat> being pricked mm-hmm. in a, uh, mm-hmm. a way. But, but, boy, when I see them doing stuff like that, I say, that's what I want to be able mm. to do. That's, that's where I want to be able to get. Uh, I, I just think that must be the one, the most wonderful position mm. anybody could ever be, <clears> in, you yeah. know, but um and and that's kind of giving is why they have a nice house in a car and they don't all drive the most expensive cars i mean the last i heard brother copeland drove a a gm yukon which is just an ordinary everyday edge truck yeah i mean you know uh they you know so People get hung up about the most trivial. This,
1: a lot yeah, of this stuff is just gossip from, like you said, jealous and okay. judgmental people. Okay. But Bob, when, they, when these people write a book, they don't uh, overjoy all what they've done. No. They just give a small little idea of how that work oh. is going on they're not boasting yeah absolutely they're, they, they're not they're okay. not, to they're not moan their own to trumpet. yeah no. they,
0: they don't want to to bring they no. don't want to you know yeah put it on the bbc you know no. so I, I understand like i said they don't talk a lot about their giving but in their magazines you see what they're doing and things like that and they they let you know what they're doing because you think I'm a part of that you know Mm -hmm. but they don't,
1: like you said, they don't bring attention to themselves. They've got a sensitive way of writing Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. non-Christians. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. Um, Our our friends in Guatemala, they went over, their family, mother, father, son and daughter, they went over there as missionaries and they started to look after four children Now they've got 280, Mm, uh, 280 children who would starve or be in gangs or on the streets. Mm -hmm. But they're teaching them, giving them an education but they're teaching them about Jesus first and foremost. Mm -hmm. They feed them every day, clothing Uh, them. Now Mm -hmm. the parents are coming in to help (coughs) because they see what's happening with their children. Mm -hmm. I admire that. hmm mm-hmm.
0: the, Um they need to you know, those people need to know that it's God's will to bless them, you know, mm-hmm. so that they don't carry on another generation of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, they need that's why they need to know these things. Yeah. Because poverty grows oh, yeah. and it just gets passed on from one generation to the yeah. other. Because that's all it, they know, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the word of God they just think it's hmm. it's normal, it, yeah. and there's nothing to break that cycle because it is normal to them, isn't it? Yeah, and <laughs> and and, and mm. if they're not, well, even, they can even be born again and still live in it because, like, I mean, I grew up in church, but I didn't know anything no. about it. You, mm. you, if you don't know these principles, you you just don't know. Mm. You just don't know that there's a way out, and you don't know how to get out. Um. So praise God. Did you learn something about putting God
1: first? Yes.
0: Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. I've learned something as well. That day when I couldn't come to uh, the electric theatre because there was no—I've got four, three or four different routes I could have used—and not one of those routes on Sunday could I get to a church in Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. and it was mid See that lady there with that car boot up? Yeah. Go and ask her. And it was led into the electric theater, and I've never lost it since. Amen. Amen.
0: You're still here. Yeah. Amen.
1: You're still here. Went to Wimbledon. Praise God.
0: Amen. Peter and Anna are still here. Yeah.
1: Amen.
0: It works. It's getting better, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. This is what I'm looking for. I don't know what point Deborah's at, but you're going to increase as well amen
1: amen
0: amen, <laughs> amen. praise god I've never, I mean I learned when I mean, you just asked about if we learned something I, I was straight coming to mind